A reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in the field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No. For in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of humanity. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Humanity will send his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their creator. Let anyone with ears listen. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains even until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. I became an urban farmer after my kindergarten teacher, Miss Leonard, guided us through a science project. The project was taking a glass jar and moist paper towels 
and putting beans between the moist paper towel and the jar. I was fascinated as the root came out and the cotyledons came out. I haven't stopped planting seeds since then. Right after that science project, I was soon liberating beans from my mother's kitchen <laughs> and planting them all over the yard. My dad considered my beans to be weeds. I found them wonderful. They were my friends and fellow creatures. Was one of us right and the other wrong? So what is a weed? We define weeds by our own human subjectivity. Basically, a weed is a plant where someone does not want it to be. Doesn't mean the plant is bad. Just somebody doesn't like where it is. There would be no weeds without our human element in Earth's ecology. Most weeds come into action when soil has been disturbed. Cultivation is a form of soil disturbance. So many plants that we call weeds are nature's first responders to broken earth. They come in. They cover the broken wound of Earth's crust. They hold the soil. They nurse it back to life. And in the process of nature will be replaced in successive generations of greater plants. Other plants that we call weeds have been introduced into environments where they thrive too well and take over. California's grasslands used to be dominated by beautiful perennial bunch grasses. And in between the bunch grasses were abundance, was an abundance of wildflowers. The bunch grasses stayed green and survived the dry summers with their deep roots. Europeans introduced cattle and annual shallow-rooted grasses, which kept the native grasses from propagating and thriving. And farming has evolved a whole class of weeds that can survive only in cultivated land, only where the earth is broken. One of those weeds is the one Jesus uses in today's parable. Darnell. Darnell has evolved alongside the cultivation of wheat. It's also called false wheat. It mimics the wheat, so it evades detection and removal. And it becomes distinct from wheat only in maturity, when the ears of grain form. At harvest time, the ears of wheat bow under the weight of their nutritious grain. The Darnell ears pop up 
but a small yield of noxious seeds. During most of life, the weeds resemble the wheat. Now there's another part of that. Turn the coin over. The wheat also resembles the weeds. Life-giving goodness is found not in the mere appearance or the quick judgment, but in the actual fruits of our lives. Now today's parable can have different pastoral applications. The most common that I find on the internet is the fundamentalist separation of people into the clearly good and the clearly evil. I should have done it the other way. The good, of course, would be on my right side. <laughs> One identifiable group of people is good and saved. Other identifiable groups are evil and lost. Those evil ones will fuel the fires of hell. The world, the flesh, and the devil are sources of evil and hold creation subject to futility. The world, the flesh, and the devil seem to get interrupted, interpreted, I'm sorry, interpreted as creation. The human body and the cosmic force of evil that verges on being equal with God. Let's look at an alternative understanding of the parable and the sources of evil. Matthew's intended audience was likely a struggling and divided local church. I know that never happens anymore, but when he was writing the gospel, the church would sometimes get divided. In fact, the early church had serious divisions and was often pretty weird. The parable is offered as a lesson in relationships. It's about not judging and not assuming that one group is wheat and the other is weeds. We can read the parable as an insight into each and all of us rather than a call to the tribal warfare of us and them. Contrary to the part of ourselves that's like Jonah, remember Jonah? How angry he got at God? Jonah wanted to see separation and destruction. And as Jonah was called, so are we, to struggle with the unfairness of God's mercy and patience. The separation by the angels at the end of the age can be seen as our personal and corporate need and opportunity to be sifted and threshed. You know the word threshed? When grain is harvested to make it consumable for us, the husk on the outside has to be violently removed. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus teaches Peter about this process of being sifted. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you all, plural, that he might sift you all, plural, like wheat. And I go into the old English, the singular second person. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith may not fail. 
And when thou hast returned again from the threshing and the sifting, strengthen your brethren. Wow. God and Satan working together. What God living among us in our human skin reveals to us is the real authority that authors people and changes the world is an inner authority that comes from people who have lost, let go, and are reformed on a new level, just as Jesus was foretelling to Peter. You will lose. You will need to let go. You will be reformed. You will be a new creation. So all that sifting and threshing and burning is not necessarily punishment for those other people who are unsaved. It's the maturing and letting go we need to grow into God's love. As St. Augustine loved to say, in the end, there will only be Christ loving himself. I just came across a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, which I find helpful reflecting on this parable. His reflections on his life in a prison camp in Soviet Russia. And he says, Gradually, it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between social classes, nor between political parties, but right through every human heart. This line shifts Inside us, it oscillates with the years. And what would one then have to say about our so evident torturers? Why does not fate punish them? Why do they prosper? And the only solution to this would be that the meaning of earthly existence lies not, as we have grown used to thinking, in prospering, but in the development of the soul. If only there were people, evil people, somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of their own heart. God can burn away the weeds in each of us and harvest what is good in all of us. When we speak of the world, the flesh, and the devil as the sources of evil, we are using words with more than one meaning. One of my inspirations in theology, Richard Rohr, offers new vocabulary to help us get more to the specific meaning of these sources of evil. So he suggests, when we hear the world in that sense, 
Think of it as the system, not as God's good creation. When we hear flesh used as a source of evil, consider it to be the false self, not our bodies. And when we hear devil as a source of evil, see it as the legitimized evil under the false cover of appearing good. The legitimized evil under the false cover of appearing good. The world, the flesh, the devil, they make up an anti-trinity, but they're not equal to the trinity. In the trinity we have the Father, the author of creation. In the anti-trinity we have the world or the system that abuses creation. In the Trinity we have the Son, the model of creation among us in human flesh to teach us that all creatures are children of the same Abba. And in the anti-Trinity, the flesh, the false self of autonomy and division. And again in the Trinity, the Spirit, our guide along the path to fullness in God's love. And the anti-trinity, the devil, or the roadblock on the way to fullness, a name we give to the sanctified and legitimized violence deemed as necessary to control the system and our false selves. So think of it, the system, the false self, and sanctified evil. When we try to pull the Darnell weed out by ourselves, under the false wisdom of our faulty infallibility, we avoid the inner changes that come with conversion. Instead, we try to find salvation in revolution, which usually just morphs the system back into the system. We try to find salvation in the fruitless punishment of individuals and groups to satisfy our sense of righteousness and avoid questioning the system. We try to find salvation in sanctifying war to keep the system in power and individuals and groups in fear. Jesus calls and loves us as the sinning saints we are. Luther said we are at once sins, sinners, and saints. There is no one else for God to call and love. Each of us is a field with weeds among the wheat. And Jesus teaches us that fight and flight are not the only options. We can stay. We can stand forth. We can be present. We can act. Even as we continue to groan, groan in labor pains as part of creation evolving toward completion, we are called to respond to evil with good. Be gentle as doves, 
and wiliest foxes keep planting good seed.